and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho. We are a day late. I'm sorry for that, but uh, we're here to recap the match against FC Dallas. Josh, how you doing? Anytime we come away with a win, it's always, you know, it's always a good day to talk about some um, about LAFC. But, you know, otherwise, like I said, a good, nice, relaxing weekend, get to the end, start the week, going to head on a little trip for spring break, you know, crossing our fingers, we make it back um as paris is currently burning but you know we'll see what happens uh yeah you may have been a relaxing week for you my i'm i apologize to all the listeners for my voice uh, i spent the weekend coaching uh the three different teams that i coached so it was a busy weekend and i'm honestly <laughs> i'm kind of done here um but the show must go on and i was able to catch the game last night after all my games were finished uh so LAFC are 2-1 winners over FC Dallas. Um, early goal from from Tim Tillman. I almost said Malik Tillman. <laughs> uh, early goal from Tim Tillman. Uh, again, off the press, where he just nicks a ball and finishes clinically. FC Dallas go down to 10 uh, after a horrific challenge. Just an elbow right, right, right through the ear of of Palencia, um, and then FC Dallas equalized on a set piece, and later on, Denny Boanga fresh off the plane from. I know, I know, he had to fly through Turkey. I don't remember all the. I think Josh has the details on all the different comings and goings that he had, but fresh off the plane, came straight from LAX to to Exposition Park and scores the game winner in like the 83rd minute. Just kind of an insane sequence of events. And uh, Josh, Boanga just continues to cement his place as everybody's favorite here at LAFC. Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay, shout out to um, our one of our friend of the show, Justin Ruderman. Ruderman. Apologize if I butcher that one. But let's go back here and take a look at the tweet that he put out yesterday because it kind of just encapsulated what the gravity of what what, what actually yeah. happened, um, f- you know, for Buanga that day. So let's see here. It was took a 13 hour flight from Turkey, landed in L.A. at 527, arrived at the stadium at 646. And scored an eighty fourth minute or eighty fourth minute winner, like again. And when they go back and and I think when they they interviewed, I think it was Trunlo maybe that talked about it after the game in the presser, just talked about how that that is this man's dedication to the club. Like yeah. he he feels that passionate about LAFC. And again, as a, as as a supporter, as a fan. You know, like again, I think it's easy to get jaded in um, in American sports these days. Yeah. Because in American professional sports, it, it has truly become about the business. Load right? management. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, everything is a business. Everything is 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 about that bottom line, whether it's for the owners and now for the players themselves. Right, like the NBA is a prime example of that, where it's it's about branding, everything mm-hmm. they do, everything they act. We don't often get to feel the passion for the badge that you get, right? Right in in this the way that Buongo definitely you know has showed 
you know, over the course of this, um, you know, this international window. So again, for him to do that, I mean, again, hats off to him. He, I mean, again, he's already cement brought, came, delivered the cup in his first season, right? Um, the shield. I would say he delivered the shield. The that shield. Was his goal. I mean, definitely right. was influential in, in the cup as well, yeah. of course. But in the run too, right? Because didn't, yeah. didn't he have a brace in the Austin game? He did. Or right. So yeah, brace in Austin. Yeah, Chicho, I think had the brace against Galaxy. Yeah. R.I.P. And and so you know again, you know, the, talk about a guy that's that's came in and made a name for himself at the club and etched himself into the history. You know, like yeah. I think the the team team media has you know thrown around that part of our history tag a little bit flippantly at times uh-huh. right like anyone who comes and goes i guess technically they're not wrong but truly if you want to talk about a guy that's that's written his name down in you know in the annals of lafc history it's it's gonna be buanga yeah in not, in not a very long time either right right there's still plenty of runway left for this relationship. It's not like, it's not like he just showed up and now, and now he's going to peace out again. It's you've, you kind of get the feeling that this is somebody that they're going to build around for a long time. Even after Carlos leaves, Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that that torch is going to be passed. Yeah. I mean, and the, the, when you look at the, the age at which he's coming in, yeah, right. He's not, he's not a guy that's going to get a move. That's looking to get him probably another move back to a bigger European club. Right. You know, I guess, I guess maybe in the same vein as Carlos Vela, right. If a Barcelona comes sniffing for, you know, a, yeah. you know they, they need to help yeah. at striker. So you can, you know, and you have an opportunity to play with Messi, like, you know, even Carlos after that 2019 season. So well, it's hard to say no to that. Right. Right. Because right. it's, it's Barcelona and it's Messi, but at the same time, you know, the, um, yeah, like when, when they made this move, right? I think the, the idea was that you're looking for that guy that's going to be that long term replacement, um, you know, for Carlos. And it seems like they've, they've found that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, it certainly seems like Boanga is everything that we thought. Like at the you know during during last year when you, when you'd see him against comp- against all the different MLS competition, and this year he's just he feels like he's been shot out of a cannon and just continues to deliver. Um, yeah, I mean there was definitely that adjustment period right towards the end of last season, you know, leading yeah. obviously, you know that's where you have the talking heads at state media saying some stupid stuff, right? In terms of you know how they what what they, they are the are state now. media, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, but at the same time, you know, I think it was only a matter I mean, like again, we watched that game when we had when we when I brought the family down to Arizona to kinda ha- to hang out with you guys and we watched that game and I think it was the first game that both you and I had really gotten a chance to see him play, right? Was that so, game yeah. against Col I wanna say Colorado and he just when he he just f- jumps off the page. Yep. Right, I jumped off the screen. I guess in that in that yeah, instance, yeah. right? In terms of the things that he was doing, he was like, "Oh, he looks, he looks, he's doing stuff that again, I think we we didn't expect." And again, you can see where where he was looking for opportunities to succeed, and and now it's a matter of now that he's kind of fully vetted himself in. Yeah, it's hard to see where this where the train stops at this point. Right, right. 
Um, so I obviously that I mean that's uh, for me that's kind of the main storyline is the the lengths that Boanga went to to deliver that win uh, for LAFC last night. Um, still undefeated on the season. Um, St. Louis continues their their little run. They they won again this weekend. Um, but LAFC has nothing to complain about. Uh, they they continue to deliver results. Uh, even when you're missing Diego Palacios, Sifu, Bowanga has to come in late. Uh, it's And they're still putting it together. Timothy Tillman is the real deal. And before long may have the starting job wrestled from one of these other midfielders because he's he's that good. He re- really is a solid, solid midfielder. Uh, and the kind of midfielder, the kind of all-action midfielder that LAFC so desperately needed, um, where not only are they good in the press, but they're also good in possession, and they're also good in the attack, and they're also really intelligent. I mean, that's that's what LAFC has been chasing for so long, and they, they got, I think, the closest thing that they had was that they got, it was Kellen Acosta at that, at that attacking mid spot. Sifu has a lot of those tools, doesn't always have the right decision making, but a great, great midfielder. Um, and then Timothy Tillman shows up and boom, now, now you see exactly what it is that they've been chasing. And, and I would argue the prototype that they're looking for in an, in an attacking midfielder. Yeah. It's, it's that situation where I have to remind myself as a fan that with JT at the wheel, I can't fall too much in love with any of these players because yeah. it seems like, again, they have the front office has this plan, right? To, to again, at least again, at this point, to continually look to get better, right, yeah. and improve upon the pe- the guys that we have there, and you know, as much as. You know, we we love Latif's heart and everything he brought to the table, and you know, and that that two thousand, you know, like that two thousand nineteen LAFC team, right? Made you believe, made you made you feel like they had a chance at doing something special. Yeah. Um. Again, they weren't content. It wasn't good enough. Right. Again, I mean, it, we lost where it was, and to see a guy like Atuesta go, to see K go, to see Lee Win go, like these are all guys that you know, like every you know. LAFC fans all over the stadium, you know, all over, you know, all over are are sad to see go when it happens. Yeah. Yet at the same time, when you continually bring and replace them with guys like Tim Tillman, right, like Sifu at the time, you know, um, you you know, you go from you know, like how do we place a Diego Rossi, and then Denny Buanga shows up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you replace Dio? You know, then Chicho shows up, mm-hmm. right? And again, the now now we're in that situation where how do we pl- replace Chicho? And then Bobby Firmino shows up. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, it's 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 that situation where the front office at this point, again, we and we were we were ones that throughout that whole you know nineteen twenty you know span there where were extremely hard on the decisions that they made and weren't sure if the mindset was in the right place, given the, the signings that they had made, right? They were, it's a lot of speculation, yeah. speculative signings. 
and then for them to overhaul the whole thing the next season, you know, coming into Trundle's first season and bring in guys like Inacosta, guys like Ilya to make an MLS Cup caliber team, right? And then now fill it with depth that can help you compete in, you know, in the big, on bigger stages. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's still plenty to be said about, like you mentioned, they they went too heavy on speculation. A um, little bit in that. And I mean, that's something that JT even talked about. Hey, we're, we need to adjust. And he said, we're, we need to add some veterans. And they went out and got them. Like you said, Ilya Acosta, right? Um, they added a couple of those veterans that could help stabilize the team. Hollingshead is another one I, I would throw out. Um, to help stabilize the team and then continue to add and reload around there. And in the last 18 months, everybody that you've seen leave has been replaced by somebody better. And that to me is a sign that like LAFC has gone from what was an expansion team that was trying to hold on to its pieces because expansion teams have an advantage, right? They have an absurd amount of allocation money because the league wants them to come in and perform well. There's nothing better for MLS than to have a franchise in St. Louis that actually pops, right, and does something good. And it's the same with LAFC. If LAFC yeah, had You been, didn't want Cincinnati in your one, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, I would say I would say it's even more risky with St. Louis than it was in Cincy because Cincinnati was already a club and they just brought them in, right? So what you're really trying to look to avoid is like a Charlotte situation where this team comes in and it's still just terrible. Right. And so LAFC was able to avoid that, avoid that because they built the right way. Atlanta United did the same. And so now there's kind of this blueprint. So they throw a ton of allocation money at them so they can make sure that they, that their rosters are strong. And then year three or four, you see some of these expansion teams take a step back and LAFC did that, right? They won the shield. They made that amazing run in CCL, uh, in CCL and then after that, a couple of injuries, a couple of departures, and they can't reload enough, and you get the season that you got in 2021, right? That was the year. Um, Bob leaves, and now you have to reload, right? Uh, and they do. And so Blessing leaves, and Tim Tillman shows up. Much better, much more well-rounded, much higher ceiling, already at a better level than, than Latif Blessing, right? Raheem Edwards our favorite target, right? Left and Escobar comes in. And I've realized that's like left back for a right back. But then Palencia comes after that as well. Um, and you can go all throughout the the roster and kind of pick off guys, Raito and Boanga, right? And all these upgrades that happened over this time. Uh, and so you, really you have to tip your hat to, to JT and the, the whole front office for being able to put together a team that even during an international break, after you've been in all these competitions, can come out and jump on Dallas really quick and then see a game out and eventually get a game winner as well. Um, not to say that it was you know all perfect on Saturday night, but um, you see that the quality of the depth can actually carry them through ups and downs of the season. And I think that's the the biggest thing for me, the biggest takeaway for me after these first couple games is that the depth that they continue to add uh, and it looks like they're going to add Mateus Bogut's. I'm going to go with that. 
my Polish is non-existent, but we'll give it a go. And again, and he's going to be your fifth midfielder, right? Where last year, your fifth midfielder was Seba Mendez, who couldn't do anything, right? So it's just a, it's a different caliber that they're, that they're using at this point. Yeah. And part of me wonders, was our ire misdirected? No. In the sense that, again, we've we've always had an ire for the league, and was that where it always should have, the blame should have always been, rather than let's put it this way, right? Because in a in a in a league where you don't place the different salary restrictions on our front office, when when we have those injuries, when things do happen. Wouldn't they have just made other signings that would have had art had the depth oh, already yeah. been there? Well, I mean, I I, th- I think we've always been clear about that, right? I think we've always been clear that like MLS is handicapping you, but you have to understand that handicap and learn how to deal with it. Yeah, and again, uh, so I think I, I there was think that a, adjustment period. Yeah, right. I think I think the critique again, the critique early on that you don't have enough veterans, you don't have enough people that you can actually depend on was was good. And I mean, again, JT said as much. And it's not like we're the only people that said that. So it's not like we were some geniuses for pointing this out. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, the roster continues to be great, if a bit thin in a few places, but they, they are showing that they're going to continue to address that issue. And you can, I, I think I read that Bogut's, Bogut's, Bogut, somebody that speaks Polish, please tweet at me on how I'm supposed to do this. Um, that he's actually going to be a U twenty two, so you still it was have... Josh Gross who I think reported that okay that it was a U twenty two. So they haven't quite, there hasn't been a ton of clarification on how that all fits, but okay. it leads me to believe that Sifu may be getting that that young that DP upgrade. Tag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, more again more for accounting um, because you know maybe in the long run that's. He's probably maybe that's who your guy is, but I mean, you got to give it to somebody, or or yeah. just nobody, and you manage to. Sign but I mean, a, imagine though if if a you're big time nine on on small money. Well, no, because now now if you're able to do that with Sifu at the moment, put him under, store him under that U twenty two designation. I feel like there's just there's more possibilities. In the yeah, long yeah, run because now. you're not using allocation money on him. Yeah. And you have yeah. more cap room as well. Mm-hmm. So again, I think they'll be able to end up fill they'll be able to fill up the holes the rock you know, the holes in the depth again, which is again, there's not a whole lot. Yeah. Right. I think the one thing that I will say it's like some of the magic that we saw early from Mahala, like, you know, again, he's a young kid, he needs time. Right. I'm not gonna I'm not going to, you know, get after him too much, but you know, I think there's things that he still needs to continue to work on that I think if they can find another guy that does those things right away and allows you to compete within the window that you have with the current roster, I think you you, you got to make that move. Yeah. So I, I think this is probably good. We can probably try and bring it back to the game here. Uh, I, I just love talking about the roster so much <laughs> and player profiles. Um, but I, I think I think this is a good point to... Um, go in after you know what happened in the game. Dallas go down to ten men, and what we always see in this is you know the team is going to sit back, they're going to pull back into a low block, and they spend a lot of time in a four three two, and it's going to be hard to break down 
But this is where I think you see LAFC start to struggle a little bit to still create because their their MO at this up until this point has been funnel into the midfield and turn them over there. It's not necessarily always a high press, right? It's it's more it's kind of a mid block trap that they set. Let's turn them over in the midfield and go direct to goal. Uh, and I know that as of last week, they were the most direct team in the entire league in terms of like time it took to get a shot off after turning a team over. And so it's not exactly, you know, the, we're not talking about, we're not talking about a Spanish style of the game. We've, we've mentioned this before in the show where you're going to win the ball and then recycle possession to create more space somewhere else. It's win the ball, find the space, attack it now. Just yeah. go. Now, can you differentiate between that press and the trap? Because I noticed that in the sense where it's like what they're doing is not energy drink soccer, right? It's not a frantic, yeah. you know, or, or you know, the um, whatever the Argentinians were doing with the, um, the Bielsa ball where they're, you know, where you're man to man, you know, a lot of that. Ma- yeah, yeah. That man to man pressing coverage. It's, it seems a little bit different where it's. There's some different triggers, but again, it's because I, what I what I've seen a lot of is like Tillman and Buke picking like picking off balls in passing lanes as opposed to anything else, right? And then yeah, you know, so, so it looks gonna, similar to the, the the press we've had, but they're they're going to have the freedom to go. Like if you can go win a ball, you go. I get there's there's no question, right? These are professional athletes; they they understand. So yeah, when Tillman sees that he can jump a lane, he's going to absolutely do it. But the idea is that you have different lines of confrontation, right? So where the most pure high press is every blade of grass on this field is going to be defended. doesn't matter where it is. Or like you mentioned with Bielsa and we saw it with San Jose under uh, Alameda, Alameda that it's all man-to-man all the time. This is your man, you go with him, right? Um, so this is just kind of sitting back off of them a little bit more occupying a certain third of the field. Oftentimes like a minute, you'd say we're going to, the middle third is where we're going to set up and you'll sit in their four, three, three or four, five, one or whatever it is, uh, where however it is that you want to set up. Oftentimes they set up in kind of a flat four, three, three, and they'll use their wingers to add pressure to force the ball from like a fullback back to a center back and then entice them to play into the middle. And then once that ball goes into the middle, that's a trigger, right? And now we're going to jump in and try and win that ball either from the passing, from the pass and intercept it, or we're just going to double team you and turn the ball over that way. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's really it. I don't know if that's clear or not, but they, they're willing to bet on their ball winners in the middle of the field. And so far that's been a great strategy, right? Where you have, especially Acosta, and Sifu and Tillman who can all win one-on-one battles on the dribble, right? Meaning they can win defensive battles from somebody on the dribble and Ilya just being so good about reading and screening off passing options uh, that you can turn people over in the middle. I don't right, know if that made it, any sense. Yeah. Because I think that's other, it's, it's, so again, once, once that initial pressure comes in, it seems like a lot of those mistakes, it's once, your eights close down in the middle of the park, then the passes just seem to go awry, right? And then you'll see yeah. it's that pass back to the wing after the initial pressure was put on yeah. um, that tends to just 
you know, again, gets team flustered and then yep. it's all, all chaos breaks loose. I mean, a lot's, a lot's being made of this with, I mean, once you put somebody under pressure, their decisions are worse, right? Their touches are worse. You, you just stress them out, right? It's what we do to Marines in boot camp, right? You stress them out and still make them perform with the idea being that in a stressful situation, they can still operate a rifle or a radio or a Humvee or whatever it is that their job is, right? Um, so I, I think Manuel Veth was talking about this in terms of like what's making St. Louis successful and is basically what he said is like you have a bunch of defenders who aren't good on the ball because MLS doesn't have a good tactical understanding of the game as a whole, right? And so if you put all these defenders under pressure, uh, then they're going to make mistakes and they're going to end up passing the ball to Joao Klaus over and over and over again, right? And it's just because you're stressing them out when they're supposed to be making decisions. I, I, If you follow along in these conversations uh, on Twitter, you'll even see like Greg Berhalter's talked about the what the league is lacking. And it's that defenses never step high. They leave guys too much time and space to make decisions. Um, rare W from Greg Berhalter on that one. I mean, yeah. Again, I'd love to say that LAFC is immune to making those those errors at the back. Oh, they're right? not. But Maxime Cropo is still Cropo's paying le- for one of those errors. Absolutely, <laughs> right. So again, this is the you know it's it's the reason why we've you know I think Bob was probably the first one that really diagnosed that as an issue yeah. and made teams pay. Um, I think for- I think Atlanta probably did two under Tata. Did they press that much though? I, I don't I don't know if they pressed that much, but because yeah. I I feel like they they laid off a lot more and then really were like they like they're they killed you in transition right that was what Atlanta they they're gonna like let we you might, come in we might have to take it all the way back to episode one here Josh yeah. where we talked about why it is that we're following LAFC and for me it was like this conscious decision to like I'm finally I'm finally gonna watch this league come hell or high water yeah. And LAFC is my team because they're from my hometown and it feels actually like my hometown. So we're going all in. And so that was like, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. That's the only reason, right? So whatever happened with Atlanta before that, don't, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're from what, you know, for, it was mainly that first season, right? That we caught and saw them and they, you know, I remember yeah, we, yeah. LAFC after winning their first couple games goes out to Atlanta and just gets whooped on. Right, but it was their ability to kind of invite pressure and then get Almiron and Martinez into open space. Yeah, yeah. Because especially when you had Lorentowitz and some of these guys in the midfield that will just muck it up and make it dirty, you know, they're not world beater passers. Right. right? A lot of it was make it ugly in the middle, get it out to Gressel. Gressel finds Almiron and Almiron stretches the ball. Yeah. To to Joseph. So a little bit different right than what we see now in terms of what LAFC started doing with that press because again I think I don't think you'd ever seen anything like that where you saw Latif and Mark Anthony Kay and Atuesta just become household names yeah you know without actually making a pass it was just purely off of their ability to to stress teams out in that way yeah so anyway the long (laughs) Long way of getting around on 
on how they're turning teams over and how they're creating and how when you go up a man and they get into a low block and give you the ball, all of a sudden it's not the same, right? Because now you're not, you don't have all the space behind after you turn a team over and it's just you with the ball. Then you have to circulate and probe is what they call it in the biz, right? Um, where you're just set up in basically like a, in your little two, three, five, and you just continue to move the ball around. And what I see LAFC doing a lot in this situation is playing it back, playing it sideways between the center backs, playing it back again, playing. And this is going to happen. You're going to be in that. I think scuffed likes to call it the horseshoe of death. Um, which if you just continue to pass from fullback to center back to center back to fullback back and forth, sure. I can see how that is, but that's how teams maintain the ball. And that's how you swing it from side to side. Eventually, you need somebody to get on the ball in between the defensive lines and start to unbalance that defense by either driving at them, shooting from distance, slipping balls in behind. It also requires moving from the forwards, and that's not really what our forwards do. Opoku's not a guy who's going to get into a tight space, pick up the ball, attract pressure, and then dump it off again. He's going to stretch you vertically. He's going to... He's going to press at you and create turnovers on his own as well right but in terms of like understanding the finer movements of a center forward against a low block that's just not his game and then the hold-up play that he's going to give you isn't quite enough anyway if he does get into that space so like you said it's not his fault it's just not who he is as a player lafc's not at the moment equipped to play like that yeah i mean Tillman gives me promise, right? Because he seems yeah. to be that guy. There's a couple times throughout this game where he played progressive passes, you know, at the feet of guys. And, you know, a couple times, I think he was one to Mahala where he took it onto his right foot and just didn't feel like he could get a shot off. So he tried yeah. to pull onto his left and gave the defender a little bit too much time to recover. Um, but he seems, again, I think it's that German system where, you know, it's so, it's, it's so direct. And so I think it's going to take some time for some of the forwards even to get used to being able to receive that ball that quickly, yeah. especially against yeah. a low block, right? Because again, how often, right? It was I guess it was um, Thomas Mueller, right? Who kind of would float into some of that the round that open, the yeah, space interpreter, yeah, mm-hmm, and just yeah. float into that space and then play balls onto onto runners. And so I think it's going to be a matter of time where. Again, Tillman seems to be the guy that does it very effectively. So yeah. I could see him floating into that half space, Sifu flattening out next to Ilya to provide a little bit more defensive cover, and then you you know you'll have the runners because especially if you can find, you know, if, if you can go Tillman to you know Vela inside to Hollingshead who plays it back in, then we're cooking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that also may be a little bit of the issue yesterday was again you're playing a right back in Palencia. At left back, right earlier in the um, early in the game, um, no down down Diego Palacio. So I think that's a, that had something to do with it, you know. And then obviously you see when Hollingshead switches over to that left side towards the end of the game, he and Buanga start cooking. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, plenty of ways to skin the cat. It's not always easy. Eventually, you earn a corner, and I think I I mean against a low block, this is a great a great way to do it, right? You at least attack enough so you can get some set pieces, some free kicks and some corners and go from there. And LAFC have been great. Uh, and if I remember correctly, this one just goes all the way through to Bowanga. Um, he plays it. They play it short. 
and it comes back to him and he and picks it, comes it up. back to him. Okay. And then no one just picks him up. And so he takes then, a couple touches towards goal and puts in this kind of like diving ball that bounces right in front of the keeper's legs and then through his legs mysteriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a weird angle that he's even shooting from, but he manages to put it in. And uh, there you go from Turkey to, <laughs> to, to BMO stadium. Right. And boom, LAFC get another win. Just a, 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 an incredibly fun moment. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the man showed up 45 minutes before kick time, Josh. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard of anything like that before. No, but, but again, I think that's what makes this team special, right? Is in a game where, you know, you give up a stupid goal, right? You should, you should be in perfect in full control at that point. Um, you know, to now find yourself in a situation where, you know, it, it seems like you're just, you know, you're going to drop, drop two points there. It takes those special guys sometimes to, to really make things happen. And I think that's, that's what you saw there was, you know, LAFC is a team that has a lot of those guys who are, who do special things. You know, right. and I think we're, we're fortunate to be in that situation, you know, where they're going to have plenty of opportunities um, simply be, not because of anything that was done tactically, not because of, you know, anything that the other team is doing. It's just simply because you have that that personnel matchup where, you know, I have a guy that's, uh, you know, that's rated higher than yours on FIFA, to put, to right. put it bluntly. Right. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get to on this game, Josh? Or um, First goal from Dallas rightfully chalked off correct with the interference yes offside interference yes i mean you can you can definitely be offside just by just by influencing the play right as soon as you influence the play from an offside position boom you're you're it yeah and then carlos vela's pk take <laughs> is the other one because i hate the hop the hop step with all of all passion. So I don't think he hopped. Did I think he? I think he always a stutter, does. But it's like it's not this, like the Joseph. It's not the Martinez, Joseph one. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Bruno Fernandez hop. It's it's like a stutter, right? You're trying to either trying to either way. It's not dive. good. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. I, I'm I know very we have much some questions the... about about penalties. So okay, we'll save. It I for came them. I came prepared for that, but anyway. Okay, let's get into these questions here. Uh, so we tried something. We thought, hey, let's have ChatGPT <laughs> reply and be one of the commenters. Uh, but I didn't get anything. So if any of the users out or if any of the listeners out there know how to force these GPT bots to respond to you, or if it's just like a first-come, first-served basis, I don't know. Uh, but we would love to make that a weekly thing now where... Uh, we have to respond to a bot talking about whatever it is that LAFC did or didn't do. Uh, oh, here's the, so the first one is actually from Ryan Olson, uh, and he's asking about penalties here. Is Vela just not that good at penalties? Should he stop, or is that just not going to happen? He should stop with a stutter step because, again, when he just puts his boot through it, I, I think he can put it wherever he wants to. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I get he's too talented to need to need the stutter, in my opinion. 
So here's, man, I, I agree. If you can place the ball, you just place it. And I personally think that putting the stutter in your run-up creates another variable that you don't need, right? Where you're second-guessing, you're waiting to see where that keeper goes and then shooting, right? And it's not like the hop where it's like you're daring the keeper to stay on his line. And as soon as he dives, you land and you just pass it the other way. This The stutter, the thing with the stutter is it's a full-on shot still, right? So yeah, for me, the, the logic... As I, you know, as I would understand it, just says, go put it where he can't get it. You, you know that you have the quality to do so. Um, the argument is that it doesn't always work. Now, uh, worldwide, it's like 85% of penalties are made. I think it's 79-ish percent for World Cup matches. And I think Steely Zidane hopped in these comments too. Let me check to give us the... Yeah, uh, I don't have Vela's average, actually. 31 career makes, 39 attempts. So I'm going to have to do that math right now. That's 79%. So he's below the regular average. He's at the World Cup average. It's not great. I think Messi is a tad lower than that, if I remember correctly. Uh, 75.56% for Messi. So better than Messi with these penalties, but, uh, I mean, you could get 5% more out of him. Is he ever going to give them up? No. Not at this point, because I think, especially with the way that he plays, where he's been very selfless in his approach right. to the game at this point, where he's, he's again, his his game at this point is not what it was in 2019, right? Where he's trying to dribble past people. He's, he's, he's cutting inside and just dealing. Right. Yeah. And to good effect, right? Like I said, I think he's, you know, he's going to, if he and Bwanga continue to connect, Bwanga's going to be in, you know, at the top of that golden boot race. So I think in the, in that sense, this is how you allow him to get his. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think there is a difference, and it's not like it's that bad from him, right? You're talking about five percent less at a time than than average, and uh, I just I just don't see that ever changing until he's gone, or until he decides that he's going to do it. But uh, I, I do want to mention something about the hop again. I think I think the hop is silly. I think it looks terrible. I think it's a gimmick, but the most accurate penalty takers have it mastered and they are very good at it. And that would be Bruno Fernandez and Jorginho, who I think are both over 90% conversion rates. So it's one of these things like if you do it really, really well and you use it to the right effect, meaning you're jumping and you're daring that keeper to move. And as soon as they move, you land and pass the other way, you're good. But if keepers can keep their nerve and not move, you're typically not going to generate enough power to get it by them because they can, as soon as you land and shoot, just shuffle over and pick up the ball. But anyway, um, for me, you can let him keep taking them. I don't, I don't really care. I don't think he misses 
too many or where it's a problem, like it's in his head. Uh, I don't know. Are you are you pulling him off the spot, Josh? No, because I and like I don't think Vela's ever bothered by anything. Yeah, like, almost to a fault. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think anything gets to that guy's head, and so he's gonna do what he's gonna do. And a happy Carlos Vela and a fit Carlos Vela is is the most dangerous Carlos Vela. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as long as and if and if him being able to continue to take PKs keeps him happy, the team is going to be better for it. So, you know. yeah, yeah. All right. Next one is from Jeff Talk. When are we going to start to sour on McCarthy? I mean, this was one of those games where you could have used a guy who was better at passing from the back because of the the, the red card and the fact that they had the they, you know Dallas was just going to bunker in, yeah. right? But for as long as LAFC are going to continue to play this direct style. He's fine because he's a good shot stopper. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he makes makes some weird decisions some on questionable so. decisions. Is it? Yeah, yeah when he comes out but, but not all the way out or whatever. But but is it Tyler level decision making? Tyler Miller. Uh, <laughs> right, like no. How many? No, like because Tyler Miller broken. would just would get into like these no man's land situations where you're just pulling your hair out. Right. 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 Vermeer just never made any decisions. So funny. Just, so when I put out there. that tweet, when I put out that tweet about all the upgrades that JT has made, I had to ask my son. I was like, "What was the Dutch goalkeeper's name?" And he was like, "I don't remember." And so we sat. I I I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it without using my phone and just googling it. And we probably sat around for like five minutes at least, trying to like go through all the keepers' names and eventually got back to Vermeer. But it's like, man, what was like such a little impact. And then he wound up at Cincy, right? For like, mm-hmm. and then disappeared. Three games or something. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, his decision-making isn't great. I mean, he, you know, he almost, he, he let in a goal in MLS Cup too before, uh, before, Making all those penalty saves, so I mean, however, he made an incredible save prior to letting in that goal, that, <laughs> like in the same true. sequence, that's true. right? It's yeah. like because again, the, I think, the I man think what can save is a shot stopper. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a backup goalkeeper that hopefully doesn't have to fill in the entire season because you definitely want Kripo back there. Um, so for me, I guess my expectations just aren't as high because it's like this isn't permanent. Yeah, it's not I mean, permanent. he's he. He, uh, my my wife absolutely loves him because of, she was watching the game where he had the takeout menu. Yeah, in, <laughs> and was trolling. I think it was when they were playing uh, Club America, right in the yeah, yeah in the thing. And so, like, you know, he 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 he's he's the guy you want to have on your team no matter what, right? He's a perfect locker room guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and f- and for being a locker room guy. He also happens to be a great, great at stopping penalties, as well as yeah. a good shot stopper. So, again, the we could revert back to what we had in previous years, where we didn't have a shot stopper at all. Yeah, yeah. they couldn't they couldn't play the ball at feet or stop shots. So, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna you know I'm rolling with them yeah. for as long as we need to. 
I, I feel you, Jeff. I, I know exactly what you're getting at. I don't think you're wrong for pointing out the mistakes. Uh, but my advice is maybe adjust the expectations because he is the backup and just look forward to brighter days when Grippo is starting. And if anything goes wrong, he's the guy coming off the bench. But I, again, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, next one is from Wedge Game. Vela, bad. I assume this is referring to the penalty. Um, this is a different, you know, Carlos is getting longer in the tooth. So things are going to slow down for him. I still think he's effective. Uh, he missed the penalty. I don't think he's as effective as he, as he was a few years ago, but, uh, I, I, I don't really know what you're asking from, for, from him. Uh, not you specifically wedge, but the team. He, 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 He's still capable of producing moments that no one else can, right? Again, maybe Buanga now, but in general, he still has that ability to be that guy when he wants to be. Yeah, yeah. And and I think as now that we're at this stage in his career, he also is going to pick his moments to turn it on. Mm-hmm. And in a game when you're playing against a 10-man Dallas team, you're not going to see Vela turn it on. It's just, yeah. it's not the, it's not the, it's not the moment nor the opportunity. Um, I think, like I said, put it into a different situation. You know, he's going to ride, you know, you'll, you'll see him get into the point where he's riding tackles again and doing those certain things. But for now, he's going to pick his spots, continue to set guys up um, and then take his penalties and go from there. So yeah, again, you know, for me, this game, solid 6.5 rating. Right, something like that. Like, yeah. wasn't great, wasn't bad. It's fine. Just there, just yeah. there. And right, some next. for him being there does a lot because it moves the field. He's yeah. the only one that still can do that, especially in absence of Wanga. Right, right. All right. The next one is from Luis. Do you look at the amount of missed chances in the final third as concerning? Follow up is Opoku really going to be a mainstay in the lineup come summer? Uh, the missed chances I do, I do worry about XG, I think was like 2.38 ish. A lot of that is from the penalty. I think, I think a penalty is worth like 0.75. So you're looking at shots that are finishable. Uh, I do not think Opoku is going to be a starter come summer. If they sign anybody, I think he'll be moved to the bench. Um, but mainstay in the sense that he will still be getting, a lot of rotational minutes and he'll be subbing on a lot for Carlos is what I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, he, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm given the circumstances, I'm like 15, 20% concerned. Right. But yeah, yeah. this, this is, this is one of those game. And that's probably even high given like the rotations playing against a 10 man team. Like you're just, you're not, you know, I've seen worse. I mean, yeah, like, if yeah. you were watching, if you were watching soccer earlier in the day, and happened to turn on that the anti the 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 most anti football of football games. Oh, just so bad, so bad. Artificial turf. <laughs> like Portland is in pink, and Galaxy is in green. Neither team wants the ball. Neither team wants to score. Everybody just wants pain. That's 
that's all they wanted. But yeah, like it's is again, it's it's one of those situations where it's like <laughs> it's a it's a privilege to be able to complain about the things that we do as yeah, LSU yeah. fans. Right, because man, there's a lot more. Like, it could be worse. I can just imagine being, you know, a fan <laughs> of another squad. And yeah, yeah, man, talk about two managers who have actually won in MLS. And yikes, those teams are so uninspiring. Jeez. But Portland, but to me, Portland has always been that way. Yeah, well, right? that's so that's how they win, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. to me, it's like. I don't expect much different from Portland because that is what they do. Like yeah. the galaxy for as much as, you know, like they, they looked really good coming into that, that playoff game last year. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. but I haven't seen any of that. Maybe they should try playing Deshaun Yovlich. Yeah. <laughs> like just try playing him. Just try it. The kid's incredible. Just try playing him. Whatever. I don't care. Don't listen to me. Continue to suck, please, Greg Vanny. Uh, Alan Kine, thought strategy was subpar at best last night or tonight, he says, versus an, an inferior opponent on their heels from the start. End up a man for two-thirds of the game, and we sit back and let the game come to us. I get the anti-Bradley unbending approach, but this team needs to learn to pass uh, to press the gas pedal sometimes. Um, we kind of addressed this, but... I think there is something to be said about, hey, it doesn't like we're going to have to show something, another way to score or every team that we face is just going to pack it in to get a result. Yeah, I mean, I think the other other thing to consider, too, in this particular situation is obviously, like I said, you're you're playing against a team that doesn't want to play it in, in those moments, especially when they got that second goal, right? Like, yeah. Or they, when they got their goal, technically wasn't the second. It was like when they, when they leveled it, they're not looking to play anymore. So obviously your, your tactics have to change, but yet at the same time, when I think about how important this game is, given the overall schedule, I also don't want them to put their foot on the gas at the moment. Right. 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 Like, if if we can win games at seventy five percent league games that is at sixty five seventy five percent, so be it. Yeah. Because I want to come. I want them to go, you know, into Vancouver and win seven nothing. Yeah. Because you need to. Because after that game, you need to be able to, you know, pack in the second one so that way. Yep. You can you know because you have two huge games in league. Right after that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, it depends on how how you look at it. Again, in my opinion, this is one of those ones where it's like, given the circumstances, you wanted to, you were okay with winning ugly and not having to try, ex expend that much effort. Um, given what, again, you have a, yes, you have a week off, but after that, you have like another five games in ten days or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. For me to be totally concerned about the about that strategy, I would have to see them come out and just kind of let multiple teams dictate like, Hey, we're just not interested in playing this game. They yeah. have to show me that before I get really concerned about, about the strategy there. Yeah. Cause to but, me now what you're, what it sets you up to be able to do is to go to Colorado, try and get a result. Right. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you can get that against Colorado at the moment. Then you need to barnstorm Vancouver in midweek. 
Yeah. And then you got Austin at home, which again may maybe they're look they're going to be looking to prove something after the, their start to the season, right? And then you hope that you can now take your foot off the pedal for the Vancouver game in the second leg before you go the first El Trafico on the sixteenth. Josh. Josh. Yes. Aaron Long for Alexander Ring, who says no. Hmm. Probably us at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're when you're signing another midfielder this week, then yes. But. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do, I when they signed Ring, I was like, man, that would have been a nice signing yeah. to just yeah. clean up the backfield. But at the same time, it's like we signed another midfielder, and Ilya still has legs. So yeah, yeah. you know, Christostomo, it is. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, donuts at Steely Zidane. Tillman went from being an unknown trialist to demonstrating he might be too good for MLS. Boanga is definitely too good for MLS. Our scouting network is incredible, man. Tillman have, uh, excuse me. Tillman may have Wally pipped Sifu. Josh. Yeah. I mean, he fits the game model a little bit better. I will say. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. or he feels, or at least he seems more comfortable in the He's current He's a more refined model. midfielder for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Versus Sifu may have, maybe he has more upside, you know, at this point. But again, we've been we'll saying see. that for a while. Yeah. Um, but again, that's for that's for them to earn on the field. Like, I'm happy to have a collection yeah. of guys that, that beats each other. And, the, and like I said, we learned, we learned a long time ago not, not to fall in love with these guys because the front office is ready to reload and, and to continue yep. to get better. Yep. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think the I think that the story to take there is that LAFC has put them into the put themselves into this strange category that usually is reserved for like top six Premier League teams where they where they grab guys off of um relegated teams that are getting relic or like recently relegated teams. Yeah, yeah. Right, where their talent is too good for the second division, but maybe not good enough for the top of the division. Right, right. right? I mean, you yeah. saw Liverpool do that with, you know, they picked up uh, Wijnaldum from Newcastle and turns into a guy that wins a, um, you know, that wins a Champions League trophy with them. Um, you know, you see it, you know, randomly here and there, you're like, oh, that guy, I've heard that guy's name because he was the best player on a really bad team. Right, right, and right. LAFC, you know, has if you can find yourself in those conversations, you're going to be tough to beat in the market long in the long run. Yeah, because there's yeah. not a lot of teams that are that can that have that pull in the way that LAFC will. Well, and if they can if they can demonstrate in a way that they still have yet to do, uh, if they can demonstrate that they can pull you from Europe from one of those teams, make you a centerpiece for two years, and then move you back, then. It's going to be like they're the league is going to have a hard time keeping up. And that's probably what the Bayern partnership is yeah. a little bit. When, uh, and, but that's Bayern pr- also can now send you guys. But you also have the perfect guy that to send back, right? In, in Buke. Yes. <laughs> Buke yeah. is one yeah. of those guys where, like, you know, like right off the, you know, he's not nearly as raw as, you know, a, Diego Rossi was, or some right, of these, you right. know, some of the South American prospects. He's he's already got some of the you know some of what you would you would want to see, you know, some of what the European clubs are already looking for. He also has a European passport, so it makes that also right. that Very transition easy. a lot easier. Yeah. So now, 
in the long run and with this Bayern partnership, you can do something along that line where now you move Buke, you know, he plays well for a couple of years, he moves back over there, then you're set, right? Then now that pipeline is continuously flowing and it's going to be tough. Yeah, and I mean, it just improves your ability to go out and get new guys. Hey, Mm -hmm. we can do this. We've done it before, multiple times. Well, that's when you get teams to pay a two-year loan, right? Yeah. (laughs) Tom Camilleri, Denny Bawanga somehow being subbed in and scoring a goal after being listed as unavailable and not showing up on the tweeted activated roster is all proof I need is all the proof that I need that Julian Gaines is indeed a made-up FIFA player. <laughs> Julian Gaines just catching strays tonight. I uh, played tonight in the in the LAFC two game. Oh, did he started? Yeah, I, I did not pay much attention. Yeah, there was a one nil loss. Um, but okay. again, you know, like it's there's a this that league is strictly for development, not for wins. And then I think yeah. if they keep their eyes yeah. on that prize, you know, they'll be good. Just to play meaningful minutes to keep you developing. Yeah. yeah. From what I understand, Ordaz, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but Ordaz apparently looked fit the looked bill. Looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll have to get around to watching some of these matches eventually. It yeah, is on Apple TV. Apple yeah, TV deal, Which is right? cool. Yeah. Usually you're like trying to find some random YouTube feed that someone may have posted, yeah. you know, a right, right. video camera and uh, cell phone, some cell phone video in the stands or something like that. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta update your McAfee software before, yeah. <laughs> before you click on any of those links. All right. Love on the popular. Should we be worried about St. Louis? I kind of like this one. It's the last one. Josh, what's your take? Expansion teams, like you're saying, will always, if, if they're, if they're, constructed correctly will always have a little bit of a bump but the mls season is really long and it's a long time to be playing like that mm -hmm. and again if we've seen lafc start to fade playing the same way under bob and again tell me you're going to do that in the midwest in the midwest humidity in the middle of summer Right. What is yeah. it like if you can do it on a cold and on a cold rainy night in Stoke or whatever yep. the saying is? Yeah. Um, tell me you're going to do it, you know, in in mid July in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the opponent level is one thing. Right. So far, they I mean, they beat some what I would call real opponents. Right. I'm not like five wins for anybody. I think I think the record is seven straight. From SKC, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like five five games is nothing to be ashamed of. It's it's not just a fluke. Like they are a good team. Don't get it twisted. Um, but it is like Josh said, hard to keep up this level of press. And as teams learn more about you, they're going to learn exactly how you set up and. The, the passes to Joao Klaus are going to have to, they're going to be sorted out at some point. Teams are going to have to play the keeper uh, <laughs> to avoid that mistake at some point, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I, I don't have faith in about half of the league that they're going to be able to do anything. Right. That's why I think, I think St. Louis will be in the playoff hunt for sure. Because no, again, I, I think, I think they'll, I mean, they could be third or fourth place easy. Right. Easy. Because the, they're already the re- on 15 points. 
Yeah, because the rest of the league is just that bad at times. Yeah. Um, I, do you do you feel like the bottom of the league is worse than it has been? Yes. I mean, because S. I don't I don't know what to make of SKC yet because again it's another one of those teams that should be better but I mean they're still starting Graham Zusi who yeah I mean you know love the yeah, guy I, they, man they just signed Vermees through like 2029 or something insane yeah. like that but then you know Colorado's terrible San Jose abysmal abysmal yeah yes. San Jose is the seventh and they don't look good right no, they're seventh in the West and a little bit. Austin is sixth in the West and they don't look that good. Yeah. Right. So I, I definitely think that the, the level has definitely dropped off you know, because, you know, and then like the other games that St. Louis has won, right. They beat that's so they've beat. They beat Austin in that first game and Austin yeah. still had a chance to win. It was what? Three, two. Something like that. Yeah. Then they beat a Charlotte team. Who's terrible. Right. Yep. They beat, um, San Jose, RSL, you know, like, yeah. Hey, your goal is to win games, and they're doing exactly what they're, you know, they they're, they're beating who's yeah. in front of them. But let me let's let's play a game here, Josh. I'm gonna start. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. There's 15 teams in the Eastern Conference. How many teams do you think I have to read off from the bottom before? We get to a good team. What you would call a good team? Ooh, nine. <laughs> okay. So starting at fifteen, tell me when I get there. Okay. Montreal, mm-hmm. Charlotte, terrible, terrible. DC, terrible. Chicago, terrible. New York, Toronto, terrible. Miami, terrible. Philly. Oh, okay. Playing Philly. terribly. Yeah. Good team playing terribly, right? Yeah. NYC. Mid. That might be it. Somewhere yeah. around there. So that's seventh and eighth place in the in the East. Yeah. Okay. I mean so you Philly have, I have faith that Philly will will turn it up. Right the ship. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Because I, I you know, like I do unless Jim Curtin leaves for the national team, which again yeah. he hasn't re signed his contract, so maybe it's about to happen. Dude, I'm uh, telling you, this is what USSF is gonna do. Like it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be Terry Henry. It's gonna be Terry Henry to recruit Balogun with with. I think um, we already got Balogun, my friend. With Jim Curtin and and Anthony Hudson as his assistants, and we're about to roll. Oh man, this just sounds like a clown car. <laughs> okay, so in the East, we had to go through eight teams. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight teams, and it's not just. It's not just like, oh, these teams are out of the playoff line. It's these teams are actively bad. Just bad. Okay. In the West, Josh, how many teams do you think we got to go through? 14 many, teams in 14? the West. Ooh. I'm going to say 11. I'm, I'm glad. Because I think the West is really bad this year. Yeah. I think you. I think you may have gone. I think you may have overshot it just a little bit, but. Okay. Very close. Okay. Colorado. Terrible. SKC. Terrible. Galaxy. Terrible. Vancouver. In CCL, they look good, but terrible. RSL. Terrible. Portland. Terrible. Houston. Um, below, like, low end of mid. San Jose. Terrible. 
Austin. Low end of mid. Dallas. The uh, Dallas, I actually think, is pretty good. Yeah. Dallas, At- Minnesota, and then LAFC, right? Dallas is in fifth place. So again, nine. you have to go through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Another nine teams. Yeah, so and I think that. Da- and then here's the thing: I think Dallas is better than Minnesota, and I re- and I don't I don't put I think Minnesota's in that category with Austin with Austin, where they're yeah. they're they're fine, but they're not really good. Yeah. So I I, I do feel like the league is struggling this year, which yeah. is weird to say. Like, there's only a couple. There's only a couple teams in each conference that you're like that you can respect. And even though we've just gone on this long rant about all these teams being terrible, I, I do think you need to respect St. Louis because they're, they're clearly effective at what they're doing. Multiple goal wins in almost all these games, right? Uh, and doing something that <laughs> the teams just can't figure out. Well, they scored the 15 biggest, goals too. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is, yeah, plus 11 goal differential already. Um, the biggest thing for me, I think, with St. Louis against LAFC is who has the ball. Who's going to actually have the ball in that game? Yeah. I think I th- I think that LAFC will smartly allow them to try and do something with it. That's my assumption is that LAFC is going to be more than fine to sit back and and play over the top if you have to, even if it's just to play over the top and counter press the ball to avoid the trap of getting stuck in the back. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have Chiellini and Mario in the back, I think you're probably going to get away with it. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think your defenders Palacios all the way over to Hellingshead, as long as, Mar- as long as it's Chiellini in there are going to be much of a problem. I would press Mario the most if I were St. Louis, because you, yeah. again, you've seen him literally play a hospital ball to Maxime Cropo in, in the NMLS cup final. Right. But, but at the same time, it's like, He's still better than ninety percent of the league. Yes, you're not talking about full. You know, you're not talking about center backs at RSL or Austin, right? Where they're right, they're on. You know, again, that's the thing. It's like the, and again, I think Seattle will be in that same situation as well. Where I think yeah. I, I, I'm, I'll reserve full judgment on St. Louis until they go. They have a span where they play Seattle and Cincy back to back. Yeah. So I think you'll really I honestly, see. So me and Joe Lowry were texting back and forth. Sorry to name drop like that, but I we were talking about because uh, he wrote an article about them, and I you know wanted to ask him a few questions. And we were talking about like what teams are going to challenge them the most, and that's the matchup that we decided was going to be the most exciting was uh, Seattle because mm-hmm. Seattle looks like a legit possession like team that wants the ball, and those defenders back there aren't gonna aren't gonna give it up to, to well and, so and on, seattle is a lot more they're press resistant to a certain degree yeah no like that's they exactly have, it yeah they have the guys to be more to be press resistant in the same way that lafc does in, in the midfield at least yeah, yeah right so you're not gonna have those the same again you're talking like with lafc Mario's the one guy but Mario's still better than most with yeah. seattle i mean they're mid you know like they they'll drop roll down down in there and you know play yeah. too high and they're they're not I mean again their numbers they have they have two DPs us. and a double pivot. Yes. Right. Like they right. they're they're legit. And their numbers when they drop rolled down rolled on into the midfield, 
give give you problems and give LFC yeah. problems. You know, again, I don't I don't think it's anything that we won't be able to figure out in the long run when you're not playing them on the fifth game. Yeah. Right. And just yeah. trying to survive. Right. Um, and on, you know, but obviously, you know, you want to try to avoid having to go to their turf, you know, in the playoffs yeah. too. Yeah. So, so all that's to say they are a good team. It remains to be seen if it's going to sustain itself. And if when they play great teams like LAFC or Seattle or some of the other ones in the in the league, if it's actually going to be, if it's actually something that's going to work, we'll find out later on in the year. Uh, Josh, anything else to get to tonight? No, I think that's it. So on to the okay. next one. Looks like we got uh, Colorado coming up before the yep. before the the next CCL stretch. So again, I think it'll be interesting to see how they they go into this one, knowing that there's going to be a a tough span of games there in between. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore on Twitter. Me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. LAZ Josh on Twitter. We will catch you all after Colorado. Good night. <laughs>